You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to year two of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Matty Olchek to Bob Costas, Mike North to Pat Foley, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs since 1893. Find them on the web at viennabeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. Honor the legacy, pioneer the future. Visit them at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by Serenow Law Group, top-notch pros in reducing your rising real estate taxes. They're on the web at serenow.com by BetUS, America's favorite sportsbook for a lot of reasons. Check them out at BetUS.com. And by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats in the Chicagoland area since 1949. Visit them at PolinaMarket.com. This week we feature multi-award-winning sports writer Fred Mitchell. I remember, and you probably remember me being the first, uh, certainly at the Tribune, to use uh, cell phones and, and flip cams and that sort of thing. And my philosophy was, you know, if I can videotape this manager, coach, or player saying what he's saying, as well as write about it, the reader is going to uh, have more information. He's as decorated a sports writer as there is in the city of Chicago. Fred Mitchell has been there and written about that. Consider he's the only beat writer to cover the Bulls, Cubs, and Bears in the history of the Chicago Tribune. He's penned 12 books, is an adjunct professor at Northwestern and DePaul, and before he began this chapter of his life, set a one-season NCAA football record for most points scored as a kicker. And he has an award named after him. And like a select few of us, still can't get enough of Harry Carey. So, Fred Mitchell, tell me a story I don't know. No, now ready. 
Well, you know, he, he was almost uh, sort of a, a caricature of, of himself, right? And uh, for us who had a chance to spend uh, expended time with him on a personal basis, uh, like I did, uh, we got to see that he was what I would refer, refer to as a, a people person. So let me hear you, good and loud. All right, Gary, all one, all two, all three, hey! Whoever he met, uh, he immediately uh, created a, a link to. And certainly back in the 80s, when I was the Cubs beat writer for the Chicago Tribune, uh, way back then, the beat writers were allowed to travel uh, on the team bus and the team flights. And you, you just spent a lot of time outside of the ballpark, uh, as well as inside of the ballpark, with the announcers like, like Harry Carey. And you got to see what type of a, a person he was. And he was uh, true to his, his uh, television image, let's say, in terms of being honest, outspoken, uh, and, and just uh, appreciative of, of life. Well, let's start right from the top. What are they in 1985? How about you, Fred? I, I still like the Cubs, and I think if we were guilty of, of anything uh, in terms of underestimation, I think we underestimated Dallas Green and his ability to fill the gaps. And I think the, the few holes that the Cubs have now can be filled by Dallas uh, in spring training through trades. And it was Harry who introduced you to a bevy of big-name stars. And, so and who were they? So if you were a friend of, of Harry's and... He immediately introduced you to people uh, whose who circles he, he crossed, people like Bob Hope, uh, Dinah Shore. You know, younger, younger people may not be that familiar with these names, but they, these are really, really big names uh, in our era. Tom Dreesen, who remains a good friend of mine. Uh, all, all these people who came in contact with Harry, uh, he gladly introduced them uh, to us. It's amazing. If there isn't one story I've heard about Harry, it's a thousand. You were the sports editor of your high school newspaper, the sports yeah. editor of your college newspaper. And then in 1974, you were hired as the Tribune's first African-American sports writer. Seems like an afterthought now, but then? It was quite a deal. Uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, I, I had that journalism uh, experience uh, in school, in college. And uh, immediately after college, I was a high school English teacher in Ohio, as well as a coach at football and track and wrestling. But after five years, it was a wonderful experience uh, at Grove City High School in Ohio, uh, Ohio suburban Columbus. Uh, but after five years, uh, I was uh, determined to try to examine what else there might be out there for me. Uh, my father, uh, had been the superintendent of labor relations for Inland Steel Company in uh, East Chicago and, 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 and Chicago. So he had a, a colleague of his named Bill Lowry, who uh, I appreciate to this day, uh, who had a television show actually on CBS called Opportunity Line, I believe it was called, where he would help people find jobs. So my father referred me to him, and Bill Lowry uh, was able to set up uh, several job interviews for me, 
and I got some offers from Quaker Oats and Northern Trust Bank and a couple of other places. So I came back uh, to Bill Lowry's office was on Monroe Street in the loop. And I guess uh, I didn't look that enthused. And he says, you know, you know, what is it that you want? What are you looking for? And I kind of stumbled around and said, well, you know, uh, I really like to be a sports writer, but I'm, I'm sure that's, that's not possible. No chance, you know. And, uh, and I was aware that uh, there were no African-American role models for me, uh, certainly at the Chicago Tribune in sports. Uh, so he said, well, wait a minute. Let me make a phone call. So he makes a call to someone uh, at the Tribune, one of the higher-ups. And it just so happened that they had an, an opening on the copy desk uh, in the sports department. So as you know, uh, the copy desk uh, involves uh, a very important job where you, you write the headlines for the stories, you fact check them, check them for grammatical and spelling errors, uh, that sort of thing, write the headlines. And so yeah, I, I immediately perked up. I would love that an opportunity. So that's how I got my foot in the door uh, as the uh, first African-American sports writer at, at the Chicago Tribune. Was it a big deal back then? I've been a first in, in, a, in a lot of instances. Oh, so you have. I was a first uh, African-American uh, teacher at Grove City High School, which was a school of over 2,000 students uh, at Wittenberg uh, when I was a freshman. Uh, in, in, on the entire campus, there were eight African-Americans on the entire campus uh, at Wittenberg. So this wasn't something totally new for me. Uh, and it was something that I uh, tried not to obsess over because you can become paranoid uh, if, if you do. Uh, so my focus always was just to be the best version of myself, do my job, be a good uh, teammate and uh, uh, have a good work ethic. And hopefully those things will stand out uh, more than any differences uh, with the color of my skin. You know, I interviewed uh, a longtime colleague of yours, Rick Tellender, for this podcast, and he is a voracious reader. And he told me, if you don't read, you really can't write. That's right. Absolutely. And, uh, I, you know, that's something I, I worry about with uh, a, a, a large part of today's uh, younger generation. And I, I, I talked to my students at DePaul University uh, about that and the fact that uh, in many, many cases, their only day-to-day -day source of information is Twitter. And I said, that's Twitter is fine. I, I love Twitter myself. And you know, I'm made aware of a lot of stories I otherwise wouldn't know about if I didn't. But uh, having said that, I, I said, you've also got to read uh, other websites. You have to watch television, listen to the radio, uh, read magazines, gather as much information from very reputable sources as possible. So that's the challenge for uh, today's uh, younger generation and something that, uh, you know, growing up that I, that I tried my very best to do. You've been around a lot of electronic media during your career. And in the early days, I'm thinking mid, late 70s, early 80s, uh, some members of the print didn't take too kindly to members of the radio and TV group, but you did. Why? My philosophy is always that, uh, you know, any 
uh, method that can be used to better advance and tell a story, uh, the, the better job it will do. And I remember, and you probably remember me being the first, uh, certainly at the Tribune, to use uh, cell phones and, and flip cams and that sort of thing. Uh, you guys would call me Mr. Gadget because I'd have uh, so many uh, <laughs> technical devices in my sport jacket. You were ahead of your time, Fred. Yeah, and I, you know, and my philosophy was, you know, if I can videotape this manager, coach, or player saying what he's saying, as well as write about it and put that on our ChicagoTribune.com, the reader is going to uh, have more information. So instead of me just saying uh, so-and-so had this quote, you can also uh, have the people listen to the player or, or coach say what he's going to say. And you can tell the expression that is used. Is, is he joking? Is he kidding? Or is he sad? All of these things add to the quality and depth of, of a story. So that that's why I've always advanced that. And, uh, all of us who are uh, in our age group uh, in journalism recall the times when uh, a coach or athlete will say, hey, uh, that story you, you had, uh, I didn't mean it that way, or I, I didn't say that. And I can, now with, with the technology, I can say, well, not only did you say that, <laughs> but here's video and audio of you saying it. <laughs> and, and it's not taken out of context, like sometimes they say because you can hear me asking the question. And uh, so all of this uh, is to the advantage of the journalist, as well as to the advantage of the person being interviewed. Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future. Major League Baseball is underway, and BetUS is your home for every game, plus the NBA and NHL playoffs and the PGA Tour. Sign up now, and first-time bettors will get a 125% bonus with our promo code STORY22. That's STORY22. Future odds, live betting, and great parlay plays also await you at BetUS. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. Go to BetUS.com and remember our code, STORY22. We return with Fred Mitchell on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. You followed the Bulls in the early 80s with Reggie Theus when we used to count how many people were in the stands at the old Chicago Stadium. You could almost do it on two hands. The Cubs, when they emerged under Dallas Green only to collapse 
And the Bears, when they were still very good under Ditka, then not so good, and then under Dave Wanstead, whom we've also had on this podcast. So tell me a story I don't know about each beat, perhaps one story that stands out from the others. One uh, story that sticks out in my mind personally was uh, we were the Bulls were in Detroit. Once again, I was, as a beat writer, traveling with the team on their flights. They, they didn't have charter. Uh, they didn't have a, a personal jet then. Uh, so they, they flew commercially. Uh, but anyway, uh, we were in Detroit. And we had all been notified that uh, the team bus was going to go to the airport in Detroit and fly to New York. And, and the team bus was, was to leave, I believe, at 8 a.m. And they forgot to tell me that they moved up the bus uh, an hour because of, of a threat of a snowstorm. So I missed uh, the, the team bus to the airport. No, no really big deal. You know, I just flew on my own uh, to New York uh, later in the day. <clears throat> but he was so, you know, apologetic. Well, then you moved on to the Cubs and things were definitely a lot different because they were emerging under the rather imposing figure of Dallas Green. Uh, the Cubs at that time, I want to say, were maybe three and a half games out of first place under Lee Elia in 83 uh, around the All-Star break. So this would have been right after the great tirade by Lee Elia. They're really, really behind you around here. My fucking ass. 85% of the fucking world's working. The other 15 come out here. That's that one. (laughs) So, so yeah, uh, immediately the Cubs start plummeting as has been their want uh, over decades, right? And I have to dutifully write stories about Lee Elia's job being uh, in jeopardy. So that's how uh, I got in, indoctrinated in, in uh, the 83 season. And then we, we fast forward to, to 84, which I, I look at as one of the most uh, rewarding uh, years of my 41 and a half years at the Chicago Tribune, uh, uh, covering that 84 Cubs team. And then Koch. Now there's an experience that everybody should have. Uh, I did. It was very interesting. It was like going to theater on a Monday just to listen to Ditka speak. Tell me a story I don't know about covering those Bears who had come off a Super Bowl and still had a pretty darn good team, but they never won after that. Yeah, there were certainly so many personalities on that team. Steve McMichael to Jim McMahon, on and on. Uh, everybody had a, a great story to tell. And of course, Ditka was the, was the best. Even on a slow news day, he would say something that would demand a headline. Like, did this team quit today on you? No, they didn't quit. But there, there's a lot. There's not very much talent on the offense. None. That's my fault. I picked them. I thought I could play with them. I'm probably the wrong guy for this job. I'll say that. You know, one story that I didn't write that, that maybe uh, a lot of people would not know was uh, I remember in Platteville where the Bears would, would train in the summer, uh, there were just, you know, two or three choices for restaurants, right? Uh, so this one uh, restaurant, we were waiting for a table to open up. So they said, you know, wait at the bar and we'll call you, whatever. So 
Ditka uh, happened to be there having a couple of drinks. His secretary, Mary, was there. And uh, so he sees us and we start talking and, and it was like the first off the record, you know, out of a press conference type setting uh, that I was able to have with him, certainly. And I, you know, told him that I grew up in, uh, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, but I, I grew up in Gary, Indiana and worked in the steel mills during the summers of my college uh, years. So he talked about Aliquippa, Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, the, the steel business in that area. So we found out, you know, we had some things in common that uh, certainly I'm sure he didn't realize. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a good icebreaker, I guess. A lot of print journalists made the switch and some permanently to radio and TV. You split the bill, Fred, especially when you were part of the sports writers on radio. And that included the group that would go to television, a rather crusty group that included Bill Gleason, Bill Jouse, and Ben Bentley. That had to be a whole lot of fun. It was, it was indeed. And uh, it, it really bothered, bothered a lot of us uh, writers that it was taken off of WGN radio because we, we thought it was very popular. And the, the show would come on uh, right after Cub games. So you had a good audience of, 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 of fans who were driving you know, from the ballpark, listening to it on the car radio. Uh, I don't think we took any callers. So it was just the interaction of us uh, with, with Ben Bentley being the MC, and, you know, the very opinionated Bill Jouse and Bill Gleason offering their opinions on what was going on. Those people are nudniks. Come on. Don't say nudniks. They're not. They're yeah. professional people. No, I'm with Ben. I think there should be car phones because if everybody, had, if there were no car phones, you'd have to pull up to the to this phone on the side the of the road phone. and everybody. Oh, you don't even know what kind of car you have. I was covering the Cubs, so I would come from the ballpark and offer uh, my immediate perspective on, uh, you know, what I saw and what I heard uh, in the locker room. So I thought it was a, a very uh, informative and entertaining uh, program. And there were numerous appearances on other radio and TV uh, and, and the author's group presents when you interviewed Richard Dent and, and he was part of among a dozen books that you have written. That was quite an experience with Richard. Starting out, Richard, just uh, talk about the, the whole process of uh, revealing yourself, shall we say, uh, publicly and putting it in, in, into a book and your life story. I, revealing I, myself to you. Yeah, it, right? which, which, which is The which guy is who's, who's been watching you in the locker room with towers or without towers around your body, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I tell my, my students that everyone has a story to tell. And I said, it's the task of the interviewer, the journalist, to ask the right questions, to find out the uh, humanity of these so-called superstars and uh, find out what they had to overcome. And I think one of the most effective uh, questions that can be asked, how did that make you feel? You've written, as I've mentioned before, a number of books. For example, The Cubs, Where Have You Gone? Uh, the Meaning of Victory about Tyrone Willingham, Billy Williams, My Sweet Swinging, Sayers, My Life and Times, playing through that was straight talk with Earl Woods, Tiger Woods' father. 
uh, Get in the Game about Donovan McNabb and so many others. So tell me a story I don't know, Fred. Do you have a personal favorite and a story that might go with it? Yeah, uh, when, when talking about Earl Woods, uh, I went out to his home in Cypress, California, where Tiger grew up. And I said, you know, tell me about your childhood and that sort of thing, starting out. So he starts out and mentions about four or five really strange coincidences between him and my late father. My father passed away in 1990. So this is like seven years later. And he says, uh, you know, I, I was the only boy uh, in the family. I think it's four older sisters, same situation as, as my father. Uh, he played baseball in college enrolled it he was a catcher at kansas state first african-american baseball player in, in the conference and my father played uh, at the university of cincinnati played baseball so that's another coincidence they both happened to be born in march they both had been in the military and then perhaps the, the strangest coincidence was the fact that in both cases their mother died when they were 12 years old. And so after all these coincidences, uh, I say to Earl, I, you know, I, I tell him, and, and he just looks at me and says, uh, we were meant to work with each other. Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Journalism, Fred, has changed over time, and one would suggest over recent time. The internet and specifically social media is replacing newspapers. And what we see and read and hear certainly appear far different than what the media was like not that long ago. Obviously the immediacy of information is, is, is so much different. You know, I remember covering spring training, for example. And if you got a, a big 
story, a, a scoop, as we called it, right? Uh, let's say at, uh, I don't know, 1030 at night, you would wait and, and write about it and it wouldn't, you know, appear until the next day's paper. Whereas now, if you get some source of information at 1030 at night, whether it's spring training or, or wherever you might be, uh, you're uh, expected to tweet it out immediately. So that's, that's a huge, huge difference. The other issue for, for journalists now is the fact that you have to chase uh, every possible story lead that somebody tweets out, whether it's verifiable or not. So, you know, you, you would get a, nowadays get a, a call from a, an editor saying, that, hey, somebody tweeted that uh, so-and-so was thinking about retiring. Can you check it out? It made it makes it nonstop 24 seven for a beat writer to monitor. And it used to be, we, you know, monitored radio and television uh, for a possible uh, scoop. But now with Twitter, anybody, you know, not necessarily a journalist can post a picture, uh, uh, information that may or may not be accurate. And you have to follow up on it. So that's, that's a big thing. Well, and that and, of course, papers are shrinking. You have groups like Alden that have bought companies like the Tribune, gutted staff, slashed wherever they could. I mean, there is no way to run a legitimate. That is no way to run a legitimate media business. Was there a time you thought of getting out and just going the Internet way? No, but I, I, I did see. I can't say I, I saw it totally coming, but I felt like in the early late 90s, early 2000s, when, when we saw what was happening with the internet and how it was impacting newspapers, I thought it, was, it would have been wise for newspapers to charge a nominal fee for their uh, online product. Uh, and they were basically giving it away. And I think people would have been willing in 1999, 2000 to pay $6 a month, $10 a month, whatever, uh, you know, like you're paying a, a cable fee or something like that uh, to, to get that. So back then, let's say you grew up in Chicago and you read the Tribune or Sun-Times uh, religiously, and then your job took you to, let's say, Seattle. So it used to be that those people would have that paper delivered to them or mailed to them, at least the Sunday edition, right? Uh, to see what's going on. So now when those people move to Seattle or Arizona, or Florida, whatever, uh, you know, they say, well, I'll just read the online version for free and, uh, and, and you know, not pay for, for any uh, addition to be mailed out. So I thought that was a, a, a big, big mistake that was made collectively. Now let me tell you a story about me and Fred you don't know. This was at the Pitch and Hit Club's annual awards dinner. This is a baseball dinner. I had received the Bill Gleason Award in 2009 and then was given the honors of introducing you in 2010. If I could use one word to describe Fred, it would be respected. So it gives me an enormous amount of pleasure tonight to introduce to you this year's Bill Gleason Award winner from the Pitch and Hit Club. Now ready, here's Freddie. Mr. Fred Mitchell. 
Well, it was it was my my honor and uh, to have you uh, present it uh, added to that uh, appreciation. My family was there and a lot of my colleagues were there. It was a wonderful dinner and uh, it brought back uh, a, a lot of uh, memories of covering baseball and being uh, attached to the game of baseball. And I tell people that uh, even though I'm best known probably as, as a former place kicker uh, in college and semi-pro, uh, baseball growing up was my favorite sport and, and perhaps uh, if I'd stuck with it uh, longer than uh, American Legion ball and high school ball uh, could have succeeded even more. You grew up in Gary, Indiana, which was once a very thriving town and really made famous by a very, very wonderful musical called The Music Man. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, let me say it once again. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, that's the town that knew me when. Well, it's very much different than, than what you see uh, today, and it's, it's sad to, to see sort of the, the demise uh, of that city. So in the 1960s, uh, early 70s, it was a, a bustling uh, city because everyone had jobs and steel mills were, were, were doing well. And uh, it, was a, it was a great place for, for me to grow, uh, grow up in. A uh, very diverse uh, city, and uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, during the summers I worked in the steel mill. Uh, you know, developed a, a great work ethic. Uh, there were eight, I think it was eight high schools in Gary at that time, public high schools, and uh, I, I had a, a great experience. And uh, the people, the young people my age. Uh, who lived on my street and on the two adjacent streets, all turned out uh, very well. Uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, school superintendents, a random sports writer. So all of us uh, had great uh, families and role models to appreciate and to respect. Before you began an award-winning career as a journalist, you fashioned one as a kicker at Wittenberg College in Ohio where you established an NCAA single-season scoring record. A career and record. Career, it was a career record. Yeah. And, and what, you weren't good enough for the NFL or the AFL? Well, my biggest issue was that I didn't get a chance. You know, looking back, things, I'll try to say things happen for a reason. For those who pay attention like I do uh, to the circumstances, in the NFL, uh, over the past 60 years, uh, there's been one African-American place kicker, I'm not talking about a punter, place kicker in the NFL, you know, on a regular basis. There's a guy named Gene Mingo, and he was also a halfback with the Denver Broncos. So coming out of college, a small college like Wittenberg, even though I'd set a bunch of records and the national record, there was no social media then, uh, nobody had agents. Uh, the draft itself was in January. And uh, so you didn't have a lot of opportunities there. And uh, I, I did have 
uh, an area scout for an NFL team, I, I won't say what the team it was, who uh, sent me a letter of interest and he was going to try to arrange for me to get a, a tryout. So he had asked for more personal information from me and also asked me to send a picture of me kicking. And apparently that was the first time he re realized that I was African-American. So we had previously arranged to meet at the executive house on Wacker Drive and he never showed up and I never heard from him. So I'm not saying I would have made the NFL, but I would love to have had an opportunity to try out for a team because there were several kickers uh, that I felt I was better than uh, who did get tryouts. Uh, so that, you know, I, I would often get the comment, you don't look like a kicker, which is, I'm sure, in reference to the fact that you don't ever see an African-American mm -hmm. place kicker, uh, not only in the NFL, but and think about it in college. Uh, it was the last time you saw an African-American sure. in, in college. So that was unfortunate that it, it didn't have the opportunity. And it's part of the gratification that I get now uh, from the Fred Mitchell Award uh, that the National Football Foundation uh, made me the namesake for in 2009. And uh, even though uh, you've got one of these already in your trophy case, uh, so I'd like to introduce our proud winner of the 2011 Fred Mitchell Award, repeat winner Tom Lynch. Every winner that we, uh, of the award uh, since 2009 has at, at the very least been looked at by an NFL team. A couple of them have, have kicked in uh, NFL uh, regular season games, Patrick Murray with Tampa Bay Bucks and uh, Cleveland Browns. Uh, Sergio Castillo uh, kicked for the Jets last year uh, and he kicked in Canada. So I, I, I'm very proud of the fact that these smaller college kickers who otherwise might be ignored are, are given a chance because my thing is that uh, regardless of, of what level of college football you play, uh, the field is the same length, the goalposts are the same width. So if you kick a 50 yard field goal in division three or junior college, that's the same as a 50 yard field goal in uh, division one, right? So it's not a question of that, that comes up with at other positions you know, like a, a division two or division three quarterback. And you say, well, the level of competition that he's going against is not as good. So if you're a punter or a place kicker, you're not actually competing against somebody else. You're competing against uh, uh, the element. So I, I think, and I, and I use the example that Adam Benatieri, NFL's all time leading scorer, uh, went to South Dakota, South Dakota or South Dakota state, yeah, which if we had, had the award, the award in 1996 when he graduated, he uh, might have been the recipient. And uh, we, we know how great a kicker he he was. So, and there's so many other examples of current kickers in the in the in the league uh, who come from small schools. So it really doesn't doesn't matter. You don't have to come from the Big Ten or the SEC as a kicker to be considered, uh, you know, top top uh, quality. So. Uh, I'm, I'm gratified uh, on a personal level to help provide opportunities for, for some of these guys now. Well, when you think about it, you have been enshrined in the Wittenberg Hall of Fame, the American Football Association Semi-Pro 
Hall of Fame. And of course, as you mentioned in 2009, you had an award named after you. Fred, your foot has been almost as valuable as your pen. Yeah, it was, it's, it's amazing, you know, <laughs> what a short period of time can do. Uh, I was, I, I tell the story about when I was, uh, I graduated from high school when I was 16. So I was, I skipped a year, skipped the fifth grade. And uh, it was good uh, academically, uh, athletically, uh, to be a year, year and a half behind your, your contemporaries in high school is it, kind of a big deal. But when I was uh, 14 years old, I was a sophomore in gym class. And I was like, you know, skinny, six foot, 150 pound uh, sophomore. It was before gym class and we were outside on the baseball diamond. And uh, uh, my friend, Glenn Ballard, uh, was holding for me at second base. And I was kicking over the high fence in right field, which was probably about 45 yards or so. And uh, the physical education teacher was uh, also the head football coach, Bob Stearns, who had played at the University of Iowa. So he, he walks out and he sees me kicking and says, okay, you're, you're on, a, on the varsity uh, immediately. So he, he uh, uh, launched my career as, uh, as a kicker and I was able to uh, thank him for that uh, uh, as recently as a couple of years ago before he passed away. Strange how things happen in life and, and how that you know, impacts you. Would you like to save money? <laughs> Who wouldn't? How about saving money on your real estate taxes? I have and did so thanks to Serenal Law Group, accomplished professionals ready to put money back in your pocket. All Chicago properties were reassessed by the Cook County Assessor's Office, and some of you got eye-opening increases. Serenal Law Group has the ability to lower that. The deadline to file your 2021 appeal is 30 days after your township opens for appeals at the Board of Review, so don't waste a minute contacting Serenal Law Group so you can save. There are no fees, so you don't have to pay a dime unless they save you money. And take it from me, they've saved me thousands. And they do it in a professional and friendly manner that makes your life a whole lot easier. Serenal Law Group handles appeals throughout the greater Chicagoland area from residential, commercial, or industrial property. They're ready to fight on your behalf so you don't pay more than your fair share. Visit their website, serenow.com, that's S-A-R-A-N-O-W, or call them at 312-373-0015. Mention promo code OFFMAN, that's O-F-M-A-N, to get a discounted fee on your 2021 property tax appeal. Contact Serenow Law Group, S-A-R-A-N-O-W, and start saving. So you are teaching uh, as an adjunct professor at Northwestern DePaul. What is the most important lesson that you teach to your students? Welcome class. Uh, I'm Professor Fred Mitchell. Obviously, we're going to uh, examine in this class the interaction of sports media and society and the best ways to report uh, on those uh, topics. I, I tell them that you know, they see what uh, the plight of newspapers is right now. And I said, uh, you know, you have no way of predicting uh, what media platforms will exist 20, 30, 40 years from now, any more than I did know when I started out in 1974, that there was going to be an internet, that there were going to be blogs and, uh, and, and ways like that to, uh, to communicate. Uh, I, I say to them now, I said, I, I feel like there will always be a need 
for people to be able to tell accurate, entertaining, and informative stories on whatever platform that winds up being, uh, you know, decades from now. So that's what I try to emphasize with them uh, to help hone their uh, abilities to not only write uh, good story, identify and write good stories, but also to tell and express those orally uh, to their classmates and be able to, to verify uh, through research and reliable uh, sources uh, the information that they have. So that's probably the, the main thing I teach and as well as what I mentioned earlier about uh, being able to ask the right questions and, and get the human, how did that make you feel type question to any, anybody you might interview, because that's, that's a response that everybody can identify with. I'm not sure many people know this, Fred, but along with your career as a writer and a kicker, you're also an inventor. And it happened about the time you took the job at the Tribune. So tell me a story I don't know. What did you invent? All right. So in 1974, when I started at the Tribune, I also uh, began playing for the Chicago Heights Broncos semi-pro football team. Younger people don't realize that back then semi-pro football was, was a pretty big deal because there weren't uh, a lot of options. If you didn't play in the NFL back then, you played semi-pro football in the States, or if you wanted to go to Canada and try in the Canadian Football League. So there's no uh, arena football or uh, any semblance of that. So I played for the Broncos, and I knew that Wilson Sporting Goods was located in Chicago, and I wrote them a three-page letter, which I still have. And I said, you know, uh, being a place kicker is similar to being a relief pitcher in baseball in that it, it would be very helpful to warm up on the sideline before you go into a game. And I said, particularly in football, uh, in, in late November or something like that, when it's cold and you're standing uh, on the sideline as a kicker, trying to stay loose, and then all of a sudden you're sent in to kick the, the game-winning field goal. I said, it would be nice to have a, a net uh, on the sideline uh, with a football. And my suggestion was to attach the football to like a, a, a rubber attachment so the ball wouldn't fly away. So I, I go into great detail in, in, in the description of this kicking net. And I say it could be used uh, during the off season uh, for practicing indoors uh, as well as on the sideline. So I sent this letter to Wilson Sporting Goods. And about a week or so later, uh, I got a letter back uh, saying, uh, you know, thank you for your time. We, do, we just don't feel like this fits into our brand concept, et cetera. That was that. And then shortly, sure enough, uh, this, that would have been uh, January of 75, I believe it was. And uh, shortly after that, kicking nets start popping up all over uh, on the high school level, college level, pro level. So I, I wasn't smart enough to, my, my thought was that surely they will uh, see this as a a uh, great idea and, and, and help manufacture these kicking nets and I would be a part of the process. Uh, and I guess I was naive at that time not to, to getting any kind of a, a pet. Oh my goodness. Oh, Fred, 
Yeah. You may um, never have written another word. <laughs> I know. That's, what I, that's what I tell myself. So uh, I still got the letter, you know, so whenever I, I tell people, you know, whenever you see somebody, uh, a kicker warming up uh, along the sideline, kicking into a net, think, think about, uh, think about me in 1974. I asked this final question to all my guests, if not for writing and perhaps not for football, what would you have been? Hmm. That's a great question. Probably a teacher, a coach. There's also a possibility that uh, I would have become a, a steel mill executive like my father. So I might have followed in, in, in his footsteps. The older we get uh, and we look back at our lives and we see the weird coincidences that happen and people that we meet, you always say, you know, things happen for a reason. But I'm grateful uh, for the way things turned out. And when you say that, you have to look back and say, for the things that I wanted to happen when I was younger, uh, the fact that they didn't happen the way they did, maybe that's that's good too. Even though at the time it uh, might have been painful and, and uh, they, they, they happened for a reason and, and it worked out pretty pretty well for me. Thank you, Fred Mitchell, for telling me a story I don't know. Well, thank you, George. Thanks for having me, and uh, I appreciate uh, our friendship, and uh, wish you all the best. My thanks to the Sports Media and Society class at DePaul University, the Fred Mitchell Award, WGN-TV, the late and great sports writers on TV, the Music Man, and the Pitch and Hit Club for those fabulous highlights. And as always, a big thanks to T.J. Rees for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his fine mixing and editing, and Nick Tochi for our great graphics. And to our generous sponsors, Serenal Law Group, top-notch pros who will save you money on your real estate taxes, Dynamic Manufacturing, Honor the Legacy, Pioneer the Future, and the Vienna Beef Company, home of the iconic Chicago hot dog since 1893. By BetUS, a pioneer in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades. Tune in next week for another fascinating episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.